Welcome to the AM Coffee Podcast, where we talk to fascinating people whose stories you won't hear on the evening news. Now, here's your host. All right, thanks, Joe. And uh, we are back. Actually, I did take a little bit of a hiatus from the podcasting world for a little while. You may have noticed. Uh, it, well, if you didn't notice, I don't want to hear about it. But it, it is possible that you noticed that, that we had not from. Uh, uh, produced a podcast in a few months now. We did, we just said 2021 was really kind of sucky, and 2020 uh, uh, and 2020 was bad. I mean, and 2021 wasn't a whole lot better. We we just had a lot of family stuff going on. I just didn't have time. So now the uh, everything's kind of cleared up, and I think we will be uh, regularly scheduling podcasts. So. Uh, today I am going to talk to, uh, I don't know how many people we're going to get in today. We're going to, we're going to talk to a few people and it may end up being split up into multiple episodes, but we're going to talk to people about what they were doing, uh, on nine 11. Today is nine 11, the day of this recording. And, um, uh, I, I'm going to tell you, first of all, what I was doing. Um, I was working at my warehouse job and, um, I was working on afternoon shift three to 11, and uh, so I was up early, uh, took my son to school and went and ran some errands. And I was sitting in front of an Eckerd Drugs waiting to go in to get a prescription. I have no idea what the prescription is for, but I was sitting there. And uh, and I had started, we have a little radio station here in Cartersville, Georgia. Uh, I think it's WBHF. Uh, forgive me if I've got that wrong. But I, I never listened to that station, never. Uh, it's just local talk and different things. For some reason, I always listen to the Atlanta stations just because. It, I, it's just what people do. So I, I turned it on and, and I heard, uh, it had to be, it had to be just before nine o'clock. What time was that? Did that happen? Anyway, it was just before nine o'clock before the, the, the Eckerd drugs opened. And, uh, they were talking about planes of plane flew into the world trade center. And be honest, I can't, my immediate thought went to the old War of the Worlds and, and, and how that radio broadcast made everybody freak out. If you remember that, if you don't remember that, Google that. It was uh, quite a thing. I think that happened back in the 50s. Uh, I may be wrong about that, too. But anyway, there, it was... Um, I really thought it was a radio play or something because I never listened to that station. I wasn't sure what I was going to find when I, I turned it on, but I just wanted to turn it on. And uh, so I heard that and it's like, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Um, and I believe we did have a cell phone back then. I don't think we really texted, uh, or I didn't back then. So I picked up the phone and I called my mother and I asked her, I said, are you watching TV? I said, is there, is there something going on? And she said, yeah. She goes, somebody, a, 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 an airliner just flew into the World Trade Center, one of the buildings. And I was like, I'll be right over. And she only lived about a mile from where I was at. So we went over there. We sat there and watched TV for you know, two hours, two and a half hours, just absolutely incredulous that, that what we were watching. Um, one thing was for sure that, and it wasn't like, I didn't feel, and I've heard people talk about this. I've heard people talk about this all week. And this is where I got the idea from. I completely stole this from radio people to be completely honest with you. But I, I heard so many different stories of how people felt. Some people felt fear. Some people felt anger. Some people felt, um, despair. Um, and, and it was, you know, it was a day that, uh, to borrow from, uh, from politicians in, in the years gone by, that it was a day that would live in infamy. And it really was, it was another day that lived in infamy. Um, and it was, um, I didn't feel, I really didn't feel anything. I just felt like things are going to be completely different from here on out. 
and it could be, because you didn't know. You didn't know who was flying the planes, why it got flew, flown in there. At that point, we were just completely clueless on why we were watching what we were watching. And of course, as things unfolded, uh, you know, we it, we kind of got a clue on what was going on. And I, and one thing that really struck me before I get to uh, my first guest, it was our our unity that came afterwards. You know, we as Americans, we came together like never before. Well, I can't say never before. In my lifetime, we came together uh, one time before that was, um, I think it was 1979 when the Iran hostage crisis was going on. And we did have that uh, sense of unity. You know, Charlie Daniels came out with that song in America. And it was about, <coughs> excuse me, it was about us getting uh, putting our our our, our uh, differences aside, you know, left and right politics, our skin color, our demographic, whatever whatever you want to fill in the blank, we put everything aside, and we were united as Americans because we had those people over that were held hostage against their will for 444 days. And during that time, we were just so, I was in high school uh, and my first guest and, and I are the same age. So we, we had this, we went through the same kind of uh, thing. My, my mom was ticked off about the whole thing and I didn't know what to think. All I knew is that this was really bad, but that unity was, was self-evident again in 2001. It went on for months and, you know, if anything good, came out of that whole time it was that feeling of unity and whenever we come up on a on a uh, an anniversary with all this i really feel well not so much anymore lately but you feel that unity come together because we all remember we all remembered how that felt as being an american as being americans shoulder to shoulder and 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 forgetting all the stuff that divides us. And um, that that's what I miss. And I would hate to say that, that it, something like that's going to have to happen again for us to come together. I would hope not. But I would love for us to kind of grab a hold of that spirit uh, as Americans and, and be that way again. Um, but anyway, that's where I was. And that's what happened with me in, uh, in uh, September 11, 2001, 20 years ago. I was 37 years old. Uh, my son was 11, so I remember when he came out of school, and uh, you know, it, it, there was so much. There was emotion uh, with a lot of people. My wife you know, asked me, "She goes, you're not going to work tonight, are you?" I said, "No." So, yeah, a lot of people call out of work. It really, <laughs> I guess, put businesses in a bind. But a lot of people didn't go into work that day. But anyway, my first guest is uh, Mike Wagner, fellow broadcaster and uh, fellow podcaster extraordinaire. Now, I use a e, capital E with extraordinaire because he has got a fantastic podcast. And if you have not heard it uh, yet, this guy, uh, he, he interviews all kinds of people and, and it's very entertaining and uh, a lot of very interesting uh, interviews. It's, it's really, really good. The Mike Wagner Show. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, Mike, would um, welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on. And by the way, uh, it makes me feel good when we put the capital E in extraordinary. <laughs> I'm used to the small E. And yeah. I have to say this with so many guests. You're, you're one of the great guests I had on as well, too, along with some of your friends. So be very, very honored to be part of that posse. I mean, you're the extraordinaire when it comes to guests. And I got to say this, it's like, you know, especially going through a 9-11 like this. I mean, the way you boosted up, it's like, including me, it made me feel very good and proud of what I do. So I yeah. salute you for what you're doing and everything else. So a big thank you for having me on and um, greatly appreciate it. I hope you continue this for uh, quite some time. 
I hope to. I hope to. This is this is a start, a new beginning, I think, for me. So, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, going back to uh, what you talked about with, um, you know, Carter and, um, you know, having the, you know, what was it, um, you know, forty people held hostage for like uh, four hundred forty days, and I thought, oh my gosh, it's like I was in high school at the time too, and um, you know, everybody's doing this whole thing of like, you know, putting down Iran. You know, they want to kill the Ayatollah and everything else. And um, he had a Chicago radio station that um, he was passing out these FI Ram buttons and uh, yes. put them on hats and you know, jean jackets. Remember the you wore jean jackets, had buttons yeah. all over and everything. Yeah. And patches. It was like an advertising board. And I thought, man, if we did jean jackets back then, I'd put the Mike Wagner show on there and make <laughs> everybody wear it. Hey, I think that came up with a great idea. That's so, a great idea. Yes, you know, it th- is. W- when you said the F I ran, it made me remember I've got a picture somewhere and I'd have to, I'd have to dig, but of my mother holding a, a, a piece of paper that had Mickey Mouse on it with his middle finger up and it said F I ran underneath. I, I remember. For- oh yes. my gosh. Oh my gosh. And, and I hate to say it too, that um, Carter, I mean, I mean, Carter, in my opinion, mishandled the whole thing. He was like, ah, ah, you know, yeah. just scared to death. And and then when Reagan came in, you know, he he told he told the guys, he goes, hey, you release my people or we're or we're going to bomb you. And, and the people ran like, OK, oh, yeah. OK, oh, yeah. absolutely. You, you know, yes. and, and, and that's where Reagan had that piece through through strength. And, and, you know, and we're seeing a little bit of that, that weakness with Biden right now. I, you know, I don't want to necessarily get political, but, you know, this whole thing in Afghanistan was a debacle. It was. And, and, I, and I read somewhere, too, that, um, you know, someone said if Biden's going to use around his muscle with uh, health care, making everybody a vaccine, vaccine and all that, how come yeah. he didn't do it to the Taliban? And I yeah. thought, good point it is he's more mad at the unvaccinated people in this in this country than he was at the taliban for uh and there's still people over there that we can't get out so uh, oh oh yeah and of course you know prayers for those uh who are still stuck in afghanistan and um you know pray they get out safely and uh and whatever else and um biden did that at, at the drop of the hat not notifying um nato un and whatever else and and plan that's how he just like just pull it out of his hat and it you know, just and, caused a lot of chaos. And I'm not a military strategist by any stretch. When I was in the military, I, I, I worked on electronic equipment in the air traffic control tower. I had never had privy to anything. I only had a few stripes on me. So it's like, but, but it seems like to me, just like if you're in a burning house, you get your family out first and, and maybe your animals, if you have time, and then you get out. And it seems like for me, you, you, you know, you got, you have a military presence, you get all your civilians out, all your people that, you know, would, would have the, um, the SIVs, get them out. And then you make your announcement, you're pulling your, your military out. It, it just all seemed like it was backwards. Like, like there were people that, you know, that they were running it, that work at Costco. I, I just don't understand how, cause it, it just doesn't seem like, no offense to people working at Costco, but I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, it just didn't seem like that it was run by people that, that had any idea what they were doing. And, and also, too, the fact you said that, um, you know, servicemen is supposed to get out and they say that the captain is the last to leave the ship. You know, the mm-hmm. expression is, um, you know, captain going down with the ship, you know, being the last one um, on, on board to make sure everybody's yep. out. I, I think the fact that um, Biden was pretty much, you know, I hate to say just a poor captain. It's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes I wonder what they're thinking too. So, I mean, I don't mean to get political myself, but from no. what I observed, I went, 
I just scratched my head over the whole issue. I've heard people on both sides of the aisle question all this. You know, I mean, I, I got a friend that I know at the gym that is kind of like, and he, he said he's voted Democrat all his life and, and he doesn't understand all this stuff. He, he's like, this, this is terrible. So, I mean, and he, he said he's sorry that he voted for him. So, mm-hmm. but you know, it, and it's, it, it really has nothing to do with party affiliation. It's just about execution of, of your duties, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, and I think that's part of as well too, that, um, you know, I guess my question is if, um, if Biden were around and, uh, when the world trade happens, like, what do you think he could have done? I guess that's oh the gosh. question or could Trump done or say yeah. maybe Reagan's like, if that were happening to Reagan, Reagan would like, you know, you know, all attack or whatever it is, you know? Well, this week I heard uh, Rudy Giuliani that was being interviewed. Of course, he was mayor of New York at the time. And uh, and he said that it went through his head. It wasn't long after the whole thing happened. He says, I am just so glad that Gore didn't win. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> for that to go through his head, I thought that was pretty interesting. So Gore didn't win. It's like, you know, what time frame was he living in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Goodness gracious. So, oh my gosh! Yes, yes. Yeah. So were you were you uh, working at a radio station at the time? You were. Uh... Well, well, that's a really good question too. That uh, back on September 11th, the uh, beloved 2001, it happened. I was actually consulting for a radio station. I was working um, for for an academy called Christian Liberty. It had a church in it. Also had a ministry and also um, sold homeschooling material to thousands of families all over the world. And um, I was uh, driving my son to school. He was a uh, junior kindergarten. And uh, we were listening to the news and um, I was uh, wanting to pay attention to an offer. And all of a sudden, it, it was a news station in Chicago's number one. And it kind of said CBS News. I thought, OK, what's going on? And then when they had that first report about the first plane hitting the World Trade Center and I thought, is this a Howard Stern kind of stunt? Like, yeah. you know, they sent like a, a phony press release or trying to make a joke or prank or something. And yeah. I thought, this is ridiculous. And then. The, the second train, the uh, second plane hit the World Trade Center. I thought, what's with these pilots? Are they drunk? Are they stupid? Yeah. Did the rate did the radar go berserk or are they trying to pull another publicity stunt? It's like, has United gone downhill? I thought, you know, mm-hmm. what is going on here? It's like, you know, was it foggy? Was it bad out? And why did um the, the planes collide? It's like, can't they see what they're doing? And question these pilots. And then had a third that was... um. That, that that hit the Pentagon. And I thought to myself, something's going on. Something's mm. wrong. Something isn't right. It's like, this is not a prank. And then the fourth one where it was aiming for the White House, but it crashed in a uh, cornfield in Pennsylvania. And I thought to myself, something is absolutely wrong. Yeah. And it just dawned on me that, boy, it's like, I cannot fathom myself to what had happened. And mm. going into work and everybody was talking about it, and nobody could concentrate on what they were doing. It was like, it was this total chaos. It's like, nobody thought about work. Nobody yeah. thought about taking care of customers. It, it did. It consumed your head. It did. Yeah. And and orders are getting messed up. And we, and we had to stop everything for emergency prayer, you know, for an hour or so. Lunchtime was circled around um, the world trade and what happened. And we said, mm. this was not a joke. It's not. Yeah. And then coming home and my son was asking me what happened and we turned on the TV and, um, you know, there were some objections. You want to see the kids watch this violence as if this is history, you know, watch, watching the two planes hit on the five o'clock news. And I just, sh- we all shook our hair in disbelief. I was like, what's going on? Even my daughter, you know, four years old could, you know, 
somehow mm. remember it too. I was in shock. And then, yeah. and then we we're watching a movie. My wife and I, I think it was like some, like some comedy. I think it was, um, what was it? Uh, Richard Pryor, Billy Crystal, whatever it was. And it was one of those generic comedies. And they said, oh, there's a world trade. And I thought, oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. It, and, and I think that um, it, it was interesting. I heard a little bit of an interview with Ari Fleischer, who was Bush's chief of staff. And he said that they got intelligence on that same day that there were still six planes out there that after after the two in the World Trade Center, the one in, um, uh, in the Pentagon, and I think it was before the one in Shanksville came down, they said that they still could not contact six planes that were still out there somewhere. So, but you know, everything was kind of fuzzy back then. There were, there were some bad information that was, uh, that was given to, um, to the president at the time too, that, you know, because everybody was scrambling, nobody knew what was going on, but they just got information from air traffic control towers and said, you know, this, this could be, this could be a lot bigger than what we even see right now. So thankfully it wasn't. But. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly too. And of course, y'all, some conspiracy theorists are going on saying that, Bush orchestrated the whole thing, or oh, he was working with the Taliban and, you know, whatever else. It's like, you know, you're getting all these uh, theories that are starting to come in that are really clouding everything up. And social media is like, you know, they say the fact that, um, oh, whatever's on the internet is true. Now it's like, you got like a, a land of confusion out there. So, yeah. I mean, it's almost like a who knows type of deal. Depends on who you talk to about there. It's just like, and sometimes I scratch my head. So it's like, I mean, what would a Trump done? What would a Biden done? What would like, Kamala Harris, Obama, or like mm-hmm. say with um, Trump Jr. It's like, what could they have done? You know, that sort of thing. That's Those are good questions. Gosh, I, I, it, I think for some of them, it would be vastly different than what we ended up doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And and they do question our, our uh, Bush's motives of going over there. They say it was for cheap oil and the whole thing. And it's like, you know, I, I, if you if you remember, and there are still videos out there of uh, Hillary Clinton, who was a senator, senator at the time, I believe. Her and uh, I think it was John Kerry. They're both going, you know, we know that Iraq has WMDs and, um, you know, our do-nothing president's not going anywhere, to paraphrase. And it's like, you know, then later on he goes and they're all backing off going, ah, you know, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. It was just, you know, nobody knows what to do. You know, I remember the whole thing with the uh, WMDs as well too. the weapons of mass destruction. He will go around and um, check everything. And they're like, okay. Okay. Yeah. And of course you had uh, the bad guy from Libya. He was like, go around saying I'm a big shot and whatever else. And then he's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. And even yeah. Iran pretty much succumbed to it. Iraq's like, you know, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they're like, you know, they're, they're just taking notice to it at the time. But then it's like, you try to do a search of weapons of mass destruction. They just like laugh, laugh in our face about it. But oh yeah. yeah. So, oh yeah. Anymore. It's, it, we're just not respected anymore. You know, then, and, and some of them, some people blame Trump and me, you know, it, it's like, you know, it, none of the presidents we've had here lately have been one of those kind of presidents that people meet and uh, immediately respect. You know what I mean? Trump, uh, Obama, I mean, all of them have such, in in my opinion, such personality flaws that it's like, and, and I think a lot of it was that you and I were young men during Reagan's tenure. And I think Reagan had that, and I can, maybe it's because he was an actor, but he just, he just had that, that, um, uh, the genuineness to him and, and the, the, the charisma that he could, you know, people, Democrats loved him. I mean, Republicans loved him. He was just, he was one of those people and he made mistakes too. And, and, and I get that he was certainly no, no perfect person, but at the same time, 
he just, um, I don't know. He just seemed like he, he knew what he was doing and it just, it made you feel good to have him as president. And that, that's been a feeling that has been lost for quite a while, I think. And, and also getting back to what you said about Reagan as well, too, that um, I interviewed a lady who was um, involved with, um, you know, human trafficking, trying to put a stop to it in Israel and all over the world. And she actually did uh, a seminar in Russia for Russian women or soon to be Russian business women. They're still under the uh, communist regi- regime. I think it was um before Gorbachev, I think it was um, not Putin. I think it was like um, Boris Yeltsin or uh, or somebody like that. When Gorbachev took over, he wanted to continue yeah. the Cold War and and whatever else. And at the time, Gorbachev and Reagan were odds. But then, you know, they looked at each other and realized, like, why are we doing this? And, yeah. um, you know, Russia was in a really bad state. And um, U.S., their economy was an all-time high. And then Gorbachev asked, like, I How'd you guys do this? And um, and and Re- and Reagan actually taught him the idea of capitalism, not sell everything uh, to China like Clinton did, but it's like taught them the principle. It's like this is what you do at capitalism. And um, and and then he took in the idea and said it was great. And then a lady who I interviewed uh, taught this to the business women in Russia or learning business, and they're like, "This is amazing!" And uh, you know, they understand the concept of like you know. You buy one thing and that's it. And all these choices and they're they're taught they're taught how to make money and they took it in and it took sixteen months of transition from from uh, communism to capitalism. It wasn't overnight like the press said it. It took right. sixteen months to transition and I thought yeah. that was amazing. It was. I mean, and I think that's where. Uh, <laughs> You know, we saw that in real time. We saw all that happen. We saw when when Reagan was up on the podium in, in Berlin and said, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And it's like, you know, th- those were uh, pivotal moments in history that that we kind of saw him and him and um, and Gorbachev kind of get along and got to the point to where they enjoyed each other's company, seemingly. Like, oh, yeah, like I remember. Yeah, they were at odds at first. And it's like, you know, I, but I think Reagan was part of that. Was what It was because he was who he was. You couldn't be around him and not kind of like somehow be drawn into him because he was just one of those people. Um, he just loved to crack jokes and eat jelly beans. And, um, and of course, um, yeah. yeah. You uh, fired off something, it'll come back with a joke and stuff, threaten you like Trump did, or uh, Obama, oh, just like like this. It's like, you know, you know, he'll, they'll throw a joke at Reagan, he'll just throw it right back at you. So, like, look at he split. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw that that video clip when he was running against Walter Mondale. There was a uh, uh, debate before the election, I think it was, it was at 84. And, uh, and so they were talking about, you know, that the de- Democrats are, are kind of concerned about somebody being yeah, as long as old as you are, no offense, you know, type thing. And, and, and uh, you know, they, they're concerned about how you're going to perform over the next four years. And, uh, and Reagan, without missing a beat, he comes back, he goes, well, I hope that the voters don't hold against my, my opponent here for his lack of, of, uh, of, of education or lack of, uh, um, gosh, what was the word? <laughs> <laughs> His lack of, lack of experience. I, I think I know you're talking about. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great interview. I mean, it's like even even Mondale just busted up laughing because it's like he just turned it around. He just he just had that kind of quick wit, and you know, for as old as he was, I mean, he was just it was fantastic. And, and I remember t- time that uh, Reagan was questioned about. Um, you know, he he went ahead and uh, did this executive order, and uh, you know, people in the House and Senate didn't like that. You're supposed to follow them. The rules on that and this policy goes, oh, yeah, 
did I just do that? Or it's like, <laughs> he pretended to forget. He pretended to forget things, but he, he did it for a reason too. And yeah, he said, yeah. Oh yeah. Was I supposed to do that? <laughs> and and was, I, I think sharp. I mean, that made people laugh. And some of the ones that yeah. criticized me just like laugh goes, Oh yeah. I, I was supposed <laughs> to do that. Wasn't I? <laughs> But it's because he had that kind of personality. Like you said, Trump would have come back and been all mad and got his feelings hurt or whatever. And, and of course, Biden would have said, what, what are you saying? You know, so, you know, you just don't know. It's yeah, just- yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't understand Biden worth uh, you, a hill of beans and uh, how no. many people are really running to, uh, to hear Biden speak at, at, at like a, at a white house, at a party, a fundraiser. Like how many people are really running to hear what Biden's going to say? I want to hear what Biden's going to say. How many people are really running to that these days? Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. I think people, I think people have kind of drawn back from politics, but just because we're all just, just disgusted by a lot of what we see, you know, and, and, and I include Trump in some of this too. I mean, because, mm-hmm. you know, even though he did, he did a lot of good. I was just talking to a friend of mine in the UK about two weeks ago. And, you know, there was, there were some things that happened under his watch where uh, companies came back to the U.S. Uh, to for manufacturing jobs, and and because of all the you know because of tariffs, and he knew how to work that system to make it where it was beneficial for these companies to bring the manufacturing facilities back, and and you know drew drove unemployment down across all demographics, and it you know there were there was just a lot of positivity that did come out of his his uh, presidency, uh, even though you know he was just like I said thin skinned and and. Uh, and, yeah. and, and and mishandle people. That's the thing. It's yeah. like, you know, you know, using F-bombs and, um, you know, yeah. call, calling, calling names to all the world leaders. It's almost like a grade school mentality. That's right. the thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and I think that's one of the things, too, I turned off on debates. It's like all this just mudslinging, name calling, whatever else. And, and so I'm like, hey, watch the debate. I, I said, I'm watching the first debate from 1960. It's like <laughs> without the pomp and circumstance, you know, just a microphone podium. And, um, you know, was it Nixon and Kennedy just sitting there in like, you know, these um, rock hard chairs and just smiling like, you know, well, I acknowledge you this. I acknowledge you that and everything yeah. just having a conversation. So like shouting and throwing uh, money at each other. So it's like, that's how debate should be done. Well, well you know, like I, back, back in 1960. Yeah. And I, but I read something about the debates back in uh, like when, um, oh gosh, Thomas Jefferson was running for president. I forgot who he was running against, but you know, they would put their debates kind of in the paper and there was a lot of back and forth. You know, the guy doesn't know is, but from a hole in, hole in the ground type <laughs> thing. So there was mudslinging going on back then too. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do miss decorum. I do miss uh, uh, just people being ladies and gentlemen. I mean, just no, our, our Senate race here in Georgia this last time around, it, it got kind of ugly too. And it's like, Oh, I read about that. I had like, Oh, I, I just, I just hated, I hated watching TV. I hate, I get, I, and it was like all four of them. There was the two Democrats and the two Republicans. It's like, it, it got to the point where you just heard their voice and you just turned the volume down or muted it on the TV because it's like, I, I just didn't want to hear it. I just didn't want to hear it. This is really bad too, because, you know, up in North Dakota, it's not so bad because it's like, you know, it's all Republican and everybody's civil and, and whatever, and whatever else, just quiet about the whole thing. And they pretty much stick to their roots. So if you're expecting a lot of drama, all this mudsling, you're not going to get in the Dakotas. I'll tell yeah. you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The, I, I guess the only thing we had for that Senate race, we had that, the pastor, uh, um, gosh, can't think of his name. Uh, anyway, he was, he ran for Senate and won, uh, 
and so he kind of he kind of <laughs> he kind of ran things a little bit more upstandingly. So I mean, he didn't he didn't throw any mud, not really. Uh, but yeah, the rest of it was just kind of I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying too, and um, you, you know, talking about uh, 9/11 as well too. Like you know, how, in fact, I was reading something too that um, I'm I'm trying to think is Biden going to be attending the whole thing, and what about Trump and what's he doing to uh, commemorate 9/11? Have you heard no, anything? I, I have not heard anything. No, I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if nothing does happen. But then again, I've been surprised at a lot of things here lately. So, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Right, exactly, too. And of course, you know, and, and I don't know how many family and friends you've had um, that got they got affected on 9-11 and uh, whatever else. But, you know, I didn't have any friends or family in uh, New York at the time. But I did have uh, two people from my, um, mi- from my ministry and work that affected them because one of my guys in shipping came from Poland, a very hardworking guy. His cousin or second cousin worked as an accountant uh, in, in the towers, and he called in sick that day. And his replacement oh. came in, and we found out, and I was like, Oh, and he's and he felt guilty about getting oh, yeah. being sick. And it could have been him that got blown up in the, in the world trade. And then there was this um, family in the export business that was hurting for for money, and uh, they were working on um, a multi million dollar deal with the um, uh, an export company up in the uh, what hundredth and hundred tenth floor, whatever it is of the trade. And they're mm-hmm. on the verge of signing a blockbuster deal. And by the time they're getting ready to sign it, the phone mm-hmm. cut off. And the deal and the deal was complete, just completely went down. That's and crazy. I, and they had like they were minutes away from signing this big deal, and all of a sudden, phone cut off, and and, and the trade hit. Oh my you know, gosh! You know, and it's one of those things. I heard a story about a, a, a somebody with it caught a lot of traffic and was late to work, and and thankfully he was late to work because you know, or somebody that missed their plane that was supposed to be going there. And it's like I've heard. Oh, oh. Oh I, oh, I read about that. And I yeah. think, um, and, and I think there were some sports teams too, that, um, you know, they're about, uh, they're running late on a plane or, um, they opted to take another flight. It was crowded or they had their travels plan change. And then there, there are some that have like, um, their plane was next to the, the infamous United 93 that uh, went down or talked to somebody that was born in United 93 and they had a plane next door to her or, one plane left early and there's all kinds of stories about oh, it. Wow. And I, I had a guest on, um, you know, earlier this week, and this will be rebroadcast um, next month on the Mike Wagner show, singer songwriter, Errol Rose. She lost her mom on uh, 9-11. She worked as a lawyer and devoted her time so much to it. And um, she ended up going in and she was killed, uh, you know, in the, in the world trade. And she was only two at the time and ended up being raised by her dad the rest of the way. And, and wrote a song about it and it was hitting all over the chart. So that was another connection right there, but it's just like, you hear these stories and um, yeah. it just makes you wonder too. It does. I mean, is, is this the hand of God that's kind of protected some people and not others? I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I, I don't know. We, my, my wife just had a, a good friend of hers pass away and it's kind of sort of like uh, she had uh, pancreatic cancer and it just, kind of came all of a sudden and they said you have weeks to live you have stage four and it was and she just passed away and it's like you know she's got you know kids and grandkids and she's very involved in their lives and she's only 63 or four and it's like she was just full of life i mean it, it just ended so quickly and and i think it gives you perspective you know you just don't know tomorrow's never never uh um guaranteed we're in um the Atlanta Home Show yesterday, and they they had a 
one of those virtual imaging. I don't know if they, you've heard of anything like that, but they have this thing where they'll do a whole scan of your, your body or your chest area, and they'll be able to determine in a three-minute scan whether you have any blockages, whether you have any um, cancer or anything that – any anomalous stuff that's going on in your – in your area that I don't know whether it includes your head or not, but, um, you know, so we signed up for that. We're doing that next Thursday and I almost, part of me, part of me almost didn't want to find out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's like, they'll start testing for COVID and ask all these COVID questions. Oh yeah. And, um, oh, yeah. and, and, and then whatever else it's like, I can see why people are, are avoiding hospitals. Like they don't want to get all these COVID questions, you know, protecting yeah. COVID, you're not going in cause you're not vaccinated and, um, oh, whatever yeah. else. And that's a huge civil war going on. You know, besides a whole nine 11, it's like, you know, you know, who's, are you vaccinated, not vaccinated? Or it's like, you got the COVID or not again, take the jab or not take the jab. There's a civil war going on right now. It's like, you know, we've been divided. Um, you know, lately we get even more and more divided. Next thing you know, we begin living our own little islands. It seems like. Oh, it does. It does. And, and every hospital in the country, it's not, you're not getting coverage of uh, a lot of it on national news, but it just about every hospital in the country has had protests from the nurses out in front. We had it in our little hospital here in Cartersville that uh, they were out there, you know, because they're going to lose their job if they don't get the the shot. There's a lady who lives across the street from me is a, is a nurse over there. And she's like, no, I just don't want it. I don't, we, there is still too many questions and she's in the industry. She said, there's still too many questions. Mm. Um, so, I mean, and, and her boss is a doctor and he said he got the first shot. He got so sick, almost went to the ER after that first shot. And he, he's he, like, I'm, he did? I'm not gonna, yes. Yes. Oh my God. He's in his thirties. So, I mean, and wow. I think that, I think that there, there's gotta be a, like a DNA, uh, uh, part of all this too, that because it affects some people so harshly and some people not hardly at all. I mean, my wife and I, we've never had a mass mandate here in Georgia and we've never really, uh, except for the couple of months that we had restaurants and everything shut down, we never stopped. I mean, of course the virus, as far as I know, still lives in Lowe's and Home Depot and Walmart and, and every other grocery store. Uh, but it, but apparently it lives in small restaurants and, and, and the whole thing. But I, I, I would find it very hard to believe if I've not been exposed to it somewhere along the line. And, and neither one of us have gotten sick. My, my daughter-in-law got, she tested positive for COVID. She was sick for like two weeks in bed. My son slept in the same bed with her, never got it. He really? got tested, yeah, he got tested twice, never got it. Wow. And, and we didn't get it from being around him. So he didn't carry it from her to send it to us. Um, so, I, you know, I, there's a lot of unanswered questions still. I think it all depends upon a person, too. It's just like, you know, I had bad experience with a flu shot back in the day where it's just like, you know, they kind of jabbed it in the back. And then here I am just crumpled in the fetal position for a few days watching Bozo Circus. It was still in my mind. I said yeah. I never, never vowed to get a flu shot again. And there's stories out there that um, COVID is just another um Another flu bug, and um, every time you get a flu shot, it seems like another virus comes in and outfoxes the 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 current flu shot. And um, you got this Delta variant out there, and there's reports that it's actually outfoxing the um the vaccine that people people are taking, and they're gonna try to come up with another one. It's like, is it gonna be any safer, any more dangerous? And you're right. There's still a lot of questions out there. There's yeah. still a lot of questions out there. You got those fanatics out there who are for uh depopulation and um, you know trying to take over the world and um, you can't buy or sell taking the mark and everything. Now I got these theorists out there just like, you know, 
coming out of the woods all because of this. It's like, yeah, who, yeah. who knows what to think these days? You, you don't. I mean, people like Bill Gates have said things about depopulation and, 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 and other people that are kind of like these, uh, these oligarch type people. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's the mark of the beast. I think if you're going to take the mark, you're going to know that you're taking the mark, but, um, I, you know, there, there's just Fauci was asked about that yesterday. You know, they, they did a study in Israel just recently, uh, about natural immunity. If you've had COVID gotten over it and, and you've got the, the T cell memories and the B cell memories and how long they last in your body and the whole thing. Well, they came back with that. You, if you've had COVID and recovered from it, you're somehow 27 times up to 27 times more protected from getting it again than you would be by getting the vaccine alone. And, really? And, uh, yes. Um, now, Fauci was asked about this yesterday, I think it was yesterday on CNN, it might have been Thursday, um, on CNN by Sanjay Gupta. And I, it was a fantastic question. I've been waiting for somebody to ask him about this because that Israel study came out a little over a week ago, uh, if not two weeks ago. And uh, nobody's really asked him about it. And, and, and Sanjay Gupta asked him and he's like on, you know, I just don't know. I, and I appreciate him saying he doesn't know. A lot of these people on TV hate to say they don't know anything. I, right. I, I, I say that more often than I'd like to be able to, uh, to, to admit. But, you know, it, at least he said, we don't know. We need, to, we need to sit down and look at it. And, um, you know, I think that's where we've had 100 million people the numbers I saw recently, we've had a hundred million people that have supposedly tested positive for COVID. So if you've tested positive, you've got antibodies. Now, how long they last? I think that's a whole other uh, thing to talk about. Uh, the antibodies apparently don't last very long from the shot. So, because they're already developing boosters. Um, but, but at the very least, you know, there's a hundred million people now that Biden's threatening to, you know, about, about getting the vaccine. I don't think if you've already got, you already had COVID and got over it that natural immunity is alive in you and chances are from this study in israel it is more effective at keeping you safe or keeping you from getting it again than any of these shots are combined so leave them people alone that ought to count for something i i do agree too and of course if we're uh if we're allies with Israel, we should listen to Israel's advice. And at all, I'm not a big fan of CNN. It's just like, you know, right. uh, kudos to uh, Sanjay Gupta for yeah. um, for asking that question and uh, really stepping up. And of course, the thing is, is that um, you're supposed to be listening to uh, both Fox and CNN, obviously left, right, all mm -hmm. this stuff. It's like, form your own opinion. It's like, listen to the two sides, form your own opinion. We yeah. are lacking that in today's society. It seems like networks tell you what to think. And I read stuff all the time. It's like, why are you telling us to think like that? But yeah, when it comes to the whole natural immunity thing, it's like, you know, people rely on that. So, oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's just like a, a, a total, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, just a, a testament, but yes, it's like they should, you should listen to Israel on what they're doing. And um, Israel, I think, as far as I know, it's like, yeah, they're saving money on the vaccine. Yeah. And well, Israel is, uh, I think the reason they did the study or they were doing the study is that they, they were one of the most vaccinated countries on the planet. And they've had a lot of breakthrough cases with this Delta. And so they were trying to figure out what in the world, why it was happening. And that's how, I, I don't think they were looking for this outcome necessarily, but this is, that, that's what came out of it. Um, 
but it's you're right. I mean, thinking for yourself, it just seemed that critical thinking uh, um, muscle is just not active in anybody anymore. Because I, you know, I was telling somebody a long time ago, back when all this started, I was like, something just didn't feel right about the whole thing because they were locking everybody down. It's like, you know, this just seemed maybe a lot of it was because it was such a foreign thing. I've never, we've never been through anything like that. Um, but you know, I think that that as individuals, we need to make sure that we are as healthy as we possibly can. You know, try to keep your weight at a decent level, which is a struggle for a lot of us. It is for me too. Um, but you know, take, take your vitamin C, take your, uh, take your vitamin D, make sure that you get, you know, enough vegetables in your, in your diet. And, you know, I think the, the better stuff you put in your mouth, the, the better your body will perform, especially when, when exposed to viruses or exposed to things that, you know, you, you, it shouldn't be. I don't even know how to say this, but the Delta variant, and I've known a lot of people, I just found out this morning, I've, um, a guy that I used to work with passed away this morning after he was been in the hospital for about a month. Um, but it does seem, and, and this is just speculation now, don't, don't put me on a cross on this, but, uh, it seems like everybody that has really been hit hard with the Delta variant is a little overweight. And so I don't know whether that's just one of those comorbidities that, that, help this variant thrive within the body i i don't i don't know i'm, I'm no scientist but it, it 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 seems like a common denominator from everybody I, I know that has had this delta variant and it slapped them down pretty hard that has been that has been one of the common denominators that i've noticed um so i you know i just don't know i think a lot of it I, for me um I, I don't know if I've talked about this. I, I don't think I have talked about this on, on the podcast, but my wife used to work f- with special needs kids years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I, she, I remember you said some about that. Yes, I might've, I think I was on your show when I was talking about this. Uh, but you know, for, for years, she would get sick three or four or five times a year with whatever came down the pike. Cause these kids, you know, they're, they're lo- little floating Petri dishes. These guys are, you know, Oh yeah. They bring, they bring in germs, cough, yeah. sneeze, everything that was happening at the, um, academy where I was at, I seen all these, um, kids cough, sneeze. I got more sick than anything else. Go to another workplace. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. And my and wife course, would come yeah. home and would give it to me. So. Right. Or it's just like, you know, how are, how our daycare center is going to handle the Delta variant and kids. It's like, you know, how, how's that going to play out? Like at, um, daycares and schools and everything, the Delta variant, how's that going to work out? That's a good, that's a good question. But it, you know, it seems like the numbers I've seen kids are very, the, the least affected by all this affected hard. Anyway, they'll test positive and they might feel bad a little while, but there's been very little, um, serious illness. Now they're, of course, you don't want any kids to get sick from this stuff, but at the same time, you know, it's like there, there's risks in life. No matter what you do, you drive your car, you, uh, you get on an airplane, you, uh, you get on a roller coaster. There's always something that can go wrong. There's, there's a percentage somewhere that somebody has, uh, has figured out that you could, you could die from whatever activity you're starting or get mm-hmm. seriously injured or, or something. So I think that there's, there's something, but you know, my wife during all that time, I, uh, our doctor told her, it's like, you need to start taking 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. 
Mm-hmm. She started doing that. She stopped getting sick. That was eight years ago. Wow. And after about a year, I, I was watching her and I had just started taking apple cider vinegar a couple of times a day. And, and really there, there's, there's a lot of benefits to that that don't even make sense on the surface. But I started taking the vitamin C also. I take a thousand in the morning plus my, my multivitamin. I take 2000 before I go to bed and knock on wood. Uh, and, and I, I'm sure that this, this is not just a, a, a fluke that I have not been sick in seven years. Not, mm-hmm. not even the sniffles. So apple cider vinegar is the best thing right now. My wife takes that on a regular basis. I've been doing that some and, uh, you know, eat your fruits and veggies. All prices are going up. It's like, that's yeah. been the way to go these days. Apple cider vinegar. It's like, you know, I guess the question is, is going to take out the COVID virus. So hopefully, well, I, don't, I don't know, but it does kind of like, it makes your, it makes your body, uh, it makes your blood a little bit more acidic. I think is the way I, I've understood mm-hmm. it. And it just makes it to where things just don't, don't thrive. I don't get mosquito bites anymore since I started getting it. Since I just oh yeah, that's it. right. So it's like I've been taking it, and um, although we've had really dry weather in um, North Dakota, we've had a serious drought, and probably like the um, we've had just about maybe six, seven inches of rainfall all year so far. It's like oh, wow. mosquitoes have hardly ever been out, and, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, maybe they're taking a little holiday or something. Oh, that'd be that'd be great if it wiped them out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going through the airport in Minneapolis and there was a t-shirt as years ago, there's a t-shirt that had the state bird of, of Minnesota and it was a big picture of mosquito, you know, the yes, 10,000 lakes. Was, yeah. That in Wisconsin, that was too funny. I love that one. Yeah. yeah. What, what was it? The, um, yeah, land with 10,000 lakes and land 10 zillion. <laughs> oh, too funny. I wish I had that picture. <laughs> I know it. They don't make those things anymore. But don't yeah. worry about political correctness. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Well, uh, you offend a mosquito, it's all over. So, oh, yeah. Or it's just like, you know, I, I used to see these t shirts and I almost got a hold of one back in the day at high school where it's like you had like um, Willie Coyote grabbing Road Run by the neck and says, Patience, my ass, I'm going to kill something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's like they'll probably get you for like um, harassment, swearing, and everything else. I was so close getting that shirt. It's like everybody was wearing it. <laughs> Patience, my ass, I'm going to kill something. <laughs> well, I, I was just telling somebody about that the other day. It's like, I'm sure it's too, uh, not politically correct enough today, but in 1986, I could go into the PX on Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and buy a t shirt. And they had them in all different colors. It says, and it was a, a picture of a like a C 141 or a C 130 off into the distance into the sunset and a big plume of, uh, of where a bomb went off and underneath it said, kill them all. Let God sort them out. Yes. I remember <laughs> that. That that's a phrase I sometimes use and they're getting a lot of heat for it too. Oh, kill yeah. them all. Let God straighten out. And yeah. there was a, there was an article I read too. I read this on the air when I filled in on, um, Labor Day and KFYR that, um, the Notre Dame, uh, head football coach that, uh, John Kelly or, or, or whoever that guy was, um, he used a quote from uh, Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers head coach, John McKay. It's like, when it comes to execution, yeah, we certainly um, have executed. And uh, the way we played, I would love to execute our whole team. <laughs> and, um, and and the guy from Notre Dame really got all the heat for it. He said, I took a quote from uh, Rich Rich McKay or John McKay. It from was the, John uh, McKay, Buc- yeah. Yeah, from the Buccaneers. And I yeah. thought, that was so true. It's like, you know. Everybody played so bad. Tampa Bay right. played so bad during these days. If you remember that, they went 0-28 when they first started, I think it was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I remember. And everybody's yeah. putting their bats like, when's Tampa Bay going to win? When's Tampa Bay going to win? Yeah. And then when they played the Saints, Tampa Bay kicked the game-winning field goal. The coach was so mad, he burned the game film. <laughs> and then 
you know, Tampa Bay play like they won the Super Bowl, beating the St. Louis Cardinals. And um, and I'm sure their coach got fired too. Is this oh, probably like- <laughs> probably you can you can't lose to the Bucks? Are you crazy? But, oh yeah, uh, and and of course, you know, coaches get mad. It's like you better beat those Buccaneers and everything. And so there were some super uh, superstars from that team. Leroy Selman was, uh, I think, he was a middle a linebacker back then, or he might have been a lineman. I can't remember. But anyway, they've got a they've got a highway in Tampa named after him now, like called the Sel- the Selman the Selman Freeway or something. So yeah, they, yeah, the, yeah. The, the Selman brothers was in there, and I remember um, yeah. Gary Huff was a quarterback of the. Um, Box back then, he was a reject from uh, the Bears too. And it's like, I mean, the Packers were really bad that year. It's like they they shut out the Buccaneers ten nothing. It's like, hey, we pitched a shot. Like anybody can pitch a shot against Tampa Bay. Even the high, even your local high school football team can shut out Tampa Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's all it needed back then. Yeah, well, you know, I guess they did get it because they were they were a startup. Them in uh, Seattle started the same year. It was seventy six or seventy seven. But I remember, I remember just thinking the the orange was just so freaking ugly that it's like nobody wanted to get a t shirt back then. It it looked like a dreamsicle or something. (laughs) You, you, You put like a. A swashbuckler, like who is it? Uh, Errol Flynn, you know, Zorro. Yeah. <laughs> but then you have the Seahawks too with that really cool silver and that 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 stripe with um a bird just coming in like he looked innocent. Now he got straight line, like I'm ready to beat the yeah. crap out of you. And they play in the kingdom, which is like the one of the seven wonders are trying to be. And then one of the people I worked with that shows, oh, you mean the ugly wart? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah, wow. they, they said the kingdom was ugly and they said it was a drab place to play i mean what seattle won like two games that year um oh, yeah, you know much. tampa bay was winless and nobody said a word about it. seattle won four games and nobody made a people about the seahawks it's no, like no. that was it. it's like everybody I mean, focused on the bucks yeah oh yeah jim <laughs> zorn was our quarterback and jim I mean, zorn yeah you know through like you know, put up like so many yards, they score 40, 50 points. Defense gives up that same amount. It's like, I know it. Defense never exists in Seattle at the time. Well, they, they weren't they, uh, they started out in the AFC. Yeah, they were AFC back then. AFC, uh, but, uh, Tampa Bay was NFC. And then a year later, they switched. Yeah. So I remember that part. But I remember Jim Zorn used to have the uh, the hip protectors that would actually stick out of his, his, his jersey. It, would, it wrote up his jersey a little bit. And I always thought, he, it made him look short. And I was thinking, this <laughs> looks like a Doug Flutie type type guy. You know, he Doug couldn't be Flutie, more than five seven. Oh my seven. god, I remember him. Yeah, <laughs> now we're bringing up bringing up too many people. Now we're going to get sued. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, is it really that politically correct? It's like you know, this is supposed to be free speech here, folks. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is today. We'll see if we're still on tomorrow. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess we'll just monitor the complaints and, um, you know, see how many uh, complaints from YouTube, if YouTube's going to shut us down and everything. So I guess we'll see what, I guess see what the people say, to be honest with you. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, this is, this was, uh, oh, this is always, it's always a fun discussion with you. Um, but you know, it, it is just funny. We, you know, the 20 years from nine 11, I'm just, um, I, it, it's just, I just wonder, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, uh, people that don't know the history or, or have just been so soured on capitalism. Um, I saw an interview on the University of Florida campus. Um, I think it was just yesterday. They were asking people, you know, what do you think about uh, about capitalism? What's your what's your take on it? And they're like, oh, well, you know, it's not so good. And I'm like. You know, th- there's a lot of people calling themselves de- democratic socialists, and I think a lot of it is that we're just not t- 
taught history anymore. Kids aren't taught history anymore. In Florida, we had a um, a mandatory class that every senior had to go through. It was called uh, AVC, Americanism versus Communism. And all it did was just talk about the differences. And it, really, there was no political slant to it. It was just the differences between a socialist society and what a what a, a, a semi-democratic uh, capitalist society did and mm-hmm. you know the way of life and how the, the government's role and and all that kind of stuff and it and it, it it was really it was one of those things and I can't remember specifics but I, I do remember thinking that it changed my perspective on understanding what Russia was all about because you know at 17 years old you don't know what Russia is all about you don't understand all that stuff and even even when you're taught the Bay of Pigs uh, invasion in Cuba and everything you just didn't really understand it but man that class really brought things to light for me and it really kind of formed my um my understanding of the cold war and why we were in it so mm-hmm. and, and i think i remember too that we were getting snippets of um why this happened why that happened and um and then whatever else and you know going back to the you know thing about uh how how these uh kids are against capitalism it's like my question is like if you're against capitalism why'd you buy a 200 dollars pair of um nike shoes or spend 800 yeah. bucks on an iphone or like you know a thousand dollar um laptop ipad it's like explain yourself you yeah, know yeah and it, it's kind of interesting a lot of these rich guys that, that have made their money because of capitalism you know there's hundred million gazillion dollars that a lot of these guys have and i will we'll leave them nameless we'll call themselves it will say that capitalism is terrible so you, the only reason you're, you're, you know, you've got 10 bucks less than God is because of capitalism, because you had a good idea. Give yourself some credit. You had a great idea. You may, you built this, most of them built it out of their garage and, you know, Amazon being one of them and, and, and Microsoft. And it's like, man, you did, you did a fantastic thing. Why be ashamed of how you did it? Exactly. Exactly. You're right too. And, uh, I did a really good article about, um, the seven top companies all started in a garage. And, mm-hmm. and I thought that made a lot of sense. I read documentaries, the best bands started in a garage, yeah. you know, so it's like, you know, Aerosmith started in a garage and was just freaking waking up, uh, neighbors until they, um, yeah. started hitting the circuit around what the early seventies. Yes, that's right. Van Halen started in a garage, Kiss started in a garage. And uh, I read something too, that back in 1973, Kiss held their first concert at a bar and five people showed up. Yeah, yeah. No. 1973, five people showed up and a friend of mine went to see you two at a, at a bar outside of University of Chicago, cover charge, $1. Oh that was my it. gosh. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, and, wouldn't that have been so cool to see those bands early on? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I've got one too, where it's like a friend of mine actually paid, paid my way in maybe just a couple of bucks, three bucks cover charge at a suburban uh, Chicago um, night spot where they did for just like teenagers and all that. They had the bangles who were like, you know, punk rock and everything. This is before this all manic Monday BS was out there. It got yeah, so yeah. bubble gum, but it's like, <laughs> they were just hardcore punk. And then, you know, a guy from uh, wrote sports for the daily Herald and a few, few other buddies, we all got in and, um, He's like, oh, we'll get some sodas. And here he is, sneaks a little Jack Daniels and put it and goes, here, drink up, guys. And we're right up front, and the bangles were jamming, and we're trying to get like guitar picks. And um, yeah. one, one drunk guy shouts out, hey, you're from Los Angeles, play some Van Halen. And Suzanne Hoff says, sure, no problem. <laughs> it's like four oh, girls really? in punk garb were going at it. And I thought, 
I liked them better than this whole Manic Monday oh, BS. Yeah. It's like oh, yeah. they were way better in the earlier days. <laughs> I remember seeing an interview, and it wasn't Susanna Hoffs that said I had a big time crush on Susanna Hoffs back then. Uh, oh, which our, I, every every guy did. Once yeah. she revealed that she did that one song naked, it's like everybody started coming out of the woodwork doing that. <laughs> I had a crush on her. Yeah, that just <laughs> made it worse before? for me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but he, he, I, I saw an interview, I think it was with the, with the, uh, the bass player said that our first album that they put out said that they did, none of them thought it was very good because they had, they were still learning to play their instruments. And I'm like, going, are you kidding me? Normally, you know, people have that 10,000 hour Malcolm Gladwell rule where you gotta, you know, you play and play and play until you are so good that you don't have to think about it, but they were still learning, but you know, they had the look, they did have that sound and, and, you know, Susanna Hoff still has a great voice. It's very, very unique. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I would have loved to have seen them. So, and, and of course, you know, they still rocked it as well, too. And nowadays, it's like, it just takes like, you know, a couple of iPads, laptops, turntables, yeah. and um, turn up for great hits. It's like, you know, mastering instruments seems like be a thing of the past these days. Oh, I would imagine so. I would imagine mm -hmm. so. Right. It, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, nowadays you see uh, you see these tours, and I guess they're they're sponsored by Ben Gay or something now. But I mean, they're because they're all getting so long in the tooth. Susanna Hoffs, I think, is uh, is our age, if not a little bit older. And it's like I, I saw a picture of her, and it's like she still looks really good. Some of these people um, have not really uh, indulged in the uh, in the drug culture or all the stuff that went along with being a rock and roll musician from the seventies and eighties. So, and you, you can really tell who did and who didn't because mm -hmm. some, some people just like, what, what, well, don't tell that to uh, Keith Richards. It's like, was he like 89 or something? And um, he, he, he practically like just drank, drank, drank. And, um, you know, last year he made the news, uh, what, 75 years. He finally quit drinking. He's still playing. Mick Jagger's still up there. He's like yeah. 80 and still doing the whole uh, strutting around the stage. And everybody thought the Stones were done when Charlie Watts passed away. It's like, oh, keep it going. I mean, Bill Wyman left. Daryl Jones, like, yeah, keep a good thing going. Oh, why the not? Thing, why yes. not? I, it just seems like you'd get tired of it, but if they love it, then, you know, they, that's, that's more power to them. Uh, but, you know, you think about people like Willie Nelson. I, would, I was thinking about that when you talked about, about uh, Mick Jagger. It's like, you know, Willie Nelson will tell you first off that he loves smoking pot. And, <laughs> and look at him. I mean, how old is he now? He's got to be close to late he, 80s anyway. He, he's, he, he's like my dad's age, like 89 or something. I yeah. went, whoa. And here was yeah. a guy um, that went around door to door selling Bibles and he was clean cut and um, appeared in country videos. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, he, he gets into drug culture and he's like a totally different person. And I, and I said to myself, another part bucket list and everybody's saying that I'm sure I like to have just uh, light up with Willie. It's like that yeah. part of the bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> and something happens to a lot of their voices too. I mean, I used to love, we were talking about Van Halen earlier. I used to love David Lee Roth before, before his Van Hagar. Uh, but because David Lee Roth just had that voice, you know, and it's like, the, he joined back up with them and and everything before Eddie died and 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 it's just, he's awful. His voice is just he can't carry a tune. I can't sing worth a flip, and I could sing better than what he I heard him on YouTube uh, here recently. I'm like going, this it's just it's just awful. He 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 just totally lost it after those years, and of course you know having all this auto tune the enhancements and whatever else, and um and of course he took a break from it and became a, an EMT. And sometimes the thing about it, yeah. it's like. Should he have stayed or whatever it was? But, um, you know, ego's always getting away too. And uh, everything's all just yeah. like, you know, 
within the family and whatever else. I felt sorry for Michael Anthony, one of the best bass players out there, oh, got, got kicked out. And uh, Sammy Hagar took him in and goes, yeah, you're with the real Van Halen. You're with me. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, they they ended up being really tight. And I think they, he ended up going to chicken foot with him, right, when, uh, when they started that up. So, yeah, I, I, Michael and, Anthony was was one of the nice guys in that group, for sure. So. Oh, definitely, too. And Alex stayed out of the whole uh, Eddie Van Halen dying got canceled. It's like, he don't want to talk about it. And, and the funny thing was, I was reading an article that Alex was the guitar player and Eddie was the drummer. And one day they switched and uh, the rest was history. Oh, really? I had not heard that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, well. and I think they're in that band, too, called Mammoth. And then someone took that name. They just called it Van Halen. And now, uh, was it... Um, Eddie's son called himself man that was it VGH or whatever it is. So oh, you yeah. Know, I don't know. yeah, yeah. That, 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 yeah, because it's uh Wolfgang, right? He was, Wolfgang, yeah. yeah. And and he's just like, ooh, he's he's not skinny as his dad. No, <laughs> oh my no. gosh. Playing she been he been playing football for the Rams, as far as I know, or the Falcons <laughs> on the offensive line. It's like any of those young guys anymore, though. I mean, well, you know, his mom struggles with weight. She's been very open about that too. You know, Valerie Bertinelli. She's she's just always had. She was another one that was uh, that still looks good for her age. She's got to be sixty something right now, and it's like, mm -hmm. but even though she's, you know, she struggles with her weight, and a lot of people do. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm six seventy pounds heavier than I was when I graduated high school. So I mean, it just happens. It's just the way things go. But. Um, yeah, she still looks fantastic though. She's, she's taking good care of herself, just like Marie Osmond and all those people who hawk the, uh, the weight loss stuff on TV now. So, or, or Dolly Parton turning 75. I'm like, boy, how do they do it? How do they do it? I know. I know. And, and you never see her husband. I've, I've always been kind of curious on what in the world he looks like, but, uh, yeah, she, she, you know, a lot of these people look pretty good. That was, we watched, um, we went and saw Kansas and Boston about five years ago in Alpharetta, Georgia. And um, Kansas put on a great show. Kansas, I, I think most of those members are all the original ones too. I, I don't think they have, if, there might be a, a couple here and there that that are replacements, but for the most part, they all stuck, stuck together. Now, of course, Boston, the only person that was uh, the original was Tom Scholes. Yeah, um, Tom Scholes, yes. And, um, so, I mean, everybody else is a replacement, but, uh, but he looks pretty good too. I mean, for, for, he's got to be close to 70. Oh man. It's just oh. like, you know, you know, comparing these pictures too. And I posted a thing on Phil Collins too, that he was in a wheelchair. He's on a cane. And I looked, I'm like, no, I, was just so I haven't seen that. Saddened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just go to my timeline and I encourage everybody to go to, um, Facebook.com, go to uh, Mike Wagner voiceover, which I should change to the Mike Wagner show. I posted yesterday, Phil Collins was on a, um, on a cane and he was in a wheelchair. And I thought to myself, you're crazy trying to tour with Genesis. So you figure you'd get up on the drums and he'd be sitting on a stool and just singing. But luckily his uh, youngest son, Nick, uh, plays just like him too. And I mean, I, I saw videos of his son, Nick, playing. He was just amazing. I think to myself, man, if I want to see Genesis, I want to see Phil Jam on the drums along with um, Chester Thompson. I mean, yeah. those two are like the best drummers on the planet. I mean, oh, wow. my gosh. I didn't even know he was getting back together with Genesis. So well, yeah, I'm yeah, they're out of the yeah, loop. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a tour. I think uh, they were doing the UK. They're coming to the US, but I, I don't think they'll be coming to um, our area anytime soon. Maybe 10, 20 cities and um, you know, right. They said once the tour is done, they're putting the whole thing to bed. They've been together since the sixties with, with Peter Gabriel. I mean, yeah. that's gotta be what God, 60 years. Unbelievable. 
Easily, easily. Because it was when, yeah, because we graduated almost 40 years ago, which mm-hmm. that doesn't seem realistic either. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like 40 years ago, these have class reunions. Now it's like they do class reunions every day online. So it's like, forget about just um, <clears throat> booking a steakhouse or a club or whatever it is. And, um, you know, getting together for beers or whatever it is nowadays, like you just um, reunite online irregardless. So that's what's yeah. been. And, and really there's only a handful of people I want to get in touch with. Uh, I've never been to any of my reunions. So I, I really, I think the last, the 30th, I think they just met at a bar and there was probably 25 people there and we had 400 wow. people in our graduating class. Oh so, my I mean, gosh. Yeah. I, it, it, that was like the same thing too. It's just like, you know, I hooked up with a, a guy who I knew since like 1973 when we first moved to uh, Illinois and, um, and, and he was a, and he was a, you know, running a delivery and uh, stopped in Bismarck. He came all the way from Seattle and we looked at it. It's like, man, why are we paying like 70 bucks, whatever it is, just to center out beers. What are you yeah. up to? How are you doing? Everybody just goes in their clicks. And it's yeah. just like, you know, I don't mind seeing a handful of people, but you know, you and I, we weren't that popular. It's like, I didn't no. feel that popular. It's like popular in a sense, but not like um recognizable class president and right. um that's looking, whatever it is. It's like, you know, a lot of these people just enjoy living in the past and they, they're still still stuck in high school. For me, it's just like, you know, I've got my own success, my own show. It's like, I'm living in another world. I don't oh, need yeah. to um, yeah. go to a class reunion. It's like, you want, you, you, you want to see what I do? Yeah. Just, just go to my page, MikeWidenerShow.com or Mike Widener voiceover, just Amazon podcast or anything like, yeah, just go to that. I don't need to pay 70 bucks. And, and then, uh, <laughs> and then everybody goes off and the clicks afterwards. Like I'm not for it. Yeah. No, I don't blame you. I'm 10 hour drive from, from uh, my hometown anyway. So it's like, I've got no desire to go down to Florida and do all that. And, and, and to be, and to feel that, uh, that old feeling in the pit of your stomach, that you're still not popular. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> oh, exactly. You're right. And of course, you know, the go to reunions, it's like, you know, they pull up in their Cadillacs and Mercedes BMWs yeah. and shot. Hey, look what I've done. And the ones that don't show up at, at pretty much uh, going through a tough time are just failed. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pull up my Tacoma and say, yeah, yeah I'm driving what I can afford. So yeah. Or yeah. I, or I can just, or I just, or just pull up in a Chevy and say, Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or I could, you know, I bet a lot of those people rent the, uh, the Mercedes or the BMWs and pull up in that just to make it look like they're successful. I think, you know, it's just a lot of, everything's about looks, especially if you were popular in high school, I would imagine there's probably pressure with all that. I never had any pressure. So I was always just me. So. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I got to point after a while, it's just like just um, wear a hockey jersey or just, you know, wear a T-shirt or just, um, you know, go, go about your business. And um, there was a thing that Dean Martin said that I, I dress up every time. I don't give a damn. I just say, he just says, after everybody. So yeah, yeah. That, that was his attitude. But you know that that's what made him so endearing. Is that he did it his way, and it didn't. You know, of course that that wasn't his song. But you know, he just he, he was just that was the Rat Pack thing. They were just doing their thing. They got along with uh, with each other, and they, you know, if you liked it, you liked it. If you didn't, you didn't. So oh, oh, the Rat Pack was my favorite, and I yeah. was uh, playing some big band music, and I got into Sinatra, Sammy Davis, and he got Dean Martin, and all those guys in the big band era they pretty much got got creative and didn't have to follow the crowd or whatever it was right. and it, it was just more like hey we did our thing and you all follow grave you don't well that's fine so yep. and that's what made them so successful and they just had fun doing it shooting pool having drinks chasing women and yeah, whatever yeah. else it's like makes you wonder it's like can that be duplicated now without uh, really off- offending anybody 
I don't think so. I think those days are over. Those days mm-hmm. are over. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, and another thing I used to like about Dean Martin when he did those roasts and everything, it was like, that was so unpolitically correct too. It's like, he would, <laughs> I, I remember him doing Reagan and how he would like, they, they, they put Reagan over the coals and Reagan just sat there and laughed. I think people take themselves too seriously and <laughs> chill out people. Nobody cares. I, I, I think that's what's happening these days where people are so concerned about what are people going to think and everything yeah. else. And they got so uptight, they get stressed out, go to the hospital, die, commit suicide and all that. It's like, you're supposed to build tough skill when people start <coughs> throwing darts at you and all that. It's like yeah. Donald Trump. I, I was reading where it's just like, he wasn't exactly that popular. And some of the, some of the girls that date him, like uh, Meryl street, they said he was boring as heck. Oh, I would imagine. I would, he was just focused on making money, you know, or, or being successful or whatever drove him. Um, so I think he's still got a little bit of that focus. I mean, that's just kind of, he wants to be, I think he got a little bit drunk in the, uh, in the, being in the spotlight as much as he did, you know, being president, it was even much more so than he was prior. Uh, so I think he's still, he still yearns for that. Uh, you know, I, I really don't, I really hope he doesn't run in 2024. I think, I think we're, we're done with all the, uh, the division. Mm-hmm. Even his wife, Melania says she doesn't want any part of it. And I'm like, I don't blame her. I'll say, yeah, you had no. four years. You had more gray hair and anything else. It's like, enjoy your millions. Keep playing golf 24 exactly. seven. Why, why get, why get involved in politics again? It's like, yeah, as you run, go play golf, write wow. a book. I've always wondered about that. You know, you you got all these people in, uh, in Congress or in the Senate that have been there, you know, like Biden is, was in the, in the Senate and Congress for 30 something years, vice president for another, or almost 40 years, vice president for another eight years. It's like, and and he, then he wanted to run for president at at his age. What in the world are you thinking? And, And maybe because I'm maybe I'm my, in my heart, I'm a lazy guy, but man, I just, I think you should enjoy life a little bit instead of, you know, pushing yourself constantly or inducing stress in your life. It's like, man, life has enough of stress on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't ask for any more. But, but there's one compliment I do got to say about his wife, Jill, that uh, she's the first um, lady to uh, actually have an outside job teaching and I actually commend her for that. So it's like, but, you know, get outside, make a difference and whatever else. It's like, you know, that's one thing I admire. It's like, you know, just separate yourself from the presidency and just like, just hold on the regular job too, like the first lady to do so. And I thought that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. I got to say that. I didn't realize she was still teaching. <clears throat> yeah. I was surprised myself. I went, holy cow. It's like, she, I guess she just loves to teach. Maybe it's like, I Joe, so. retire, let your wife work, do that for a change. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a great, my brother did that for a while. His wife worked on for <laughs> like another 10 years after he retired. So yeah. Yeah. He, and they tried to talk me into it and it didn't work out for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well then, then again, you love what you're doing on a podcast as well too. And some yeah. people say, how are you going to work in this? I says, no, this is what I love to do. It's like the guy called Liz was like, if you love what you do, it's not work. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. The other morning I woke up and I, uh, did two recording, uh, two commercials for a, a station in uh, Worthington, Minnesota. I'm not even sure exactly where that is. Um, and then I did another, um, I did a liner, uh, a couple of liners for a radio station that played country music in Glasgow, Scotland, Scotland. Oh, wow. Which, which is like, you know, you don't think of Scotland having country music, but it's like, to me, that's just, that's just what makes it all so much fun, you know, because man, you, you could be driving through Glasgow and hearing my voice over there or go, going through South Sudan or go through Thailand. You know, I've got and all over the UK. I'm, I, I, I announce 
uh, intros on so many radio shows and liners and radio shows through the UK. I mean, it's just everywhere. Commercials in Wales. And it, to me, that's just that's just the fun of it. I, I, when I was a kid, I remember if you wanted to keep me busy, you either give me an AM radio with some headphones and I so I could tune it and try to find a station far enough away or give me a globe and let me look at the map or give me a map and let me just kind of search over the map and pretend like I, what it was like living in those countries, even though you'd never even heard of them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Or it's that like was, maybe the thing of days like, uh, what was that? Eddie Murphy movie coming to America or something. It's yeah. like his brother spin the globe. He goes, where can I find a queen? And then they, they blindfold and point like this. I can find a queen in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny how they did it. Yeah. Oh, queens. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's in the name. It's got to work. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen the remake yet, but I, I still, I still rather uh, watch the original. So I leave the original alone. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. You know, I think Eddie Murphy was just so much, he was much more vulgar, but I think he was just so much funnier back in, back in the day, you know, cause he got, he got kind of in serious roles and he did a lot of things. Uh, uh, I think it was one serious role that he was in uh, that was really surprised and kind of brought out his acting ability was Mr. Church. I think it was called. Uh, oh, it was. was okay. It was it was a fantastic movie, and he he played a, a role that Mandy just wouldn't expect Eddie Murphy to play, and and so it's, I don't know. There's just so many um, so many actors that have kind of changed over the years, and and you watch them what nowadays, and some of them you're like, eh, and some of them it's like you just you're just not what you used to be. So exactly right. It's just like you know, I was thinking of Eddie Murphy and Harlem Knights, and he did an impressive job with that. You know, being a gangster and whatever else. But they were saying about Vince Vaughn too that he's trying to change his role. But you know, Vince Vaughn's always Vince Vaughn with uh, the Wedding Crashers, and mm-hmm. and I'm now I'm trying to remember one that um, you know who tried to change but bombed it. Oh, I, I I couldn't I couldn't think right now. But yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, it's like some made their millions. It's like yeah, kind of stay that way. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if, if you've got a niche that finds you, and I think that's where with voiceover, I was talking to Tim, Wag- uh, Tim, Tim Wagner, <laughs> he's a friend of mine from high school, Tim Miller, a friend of ours. I was talking to him the other day about niches and he, you know, his, his, his audio books and, and, and because it kind of found him, that wasn't what he started out wanting to do. And that it wasn't what I started out wanting to do was doing these radio liners for, for companies and they for radio stations. It's like, I had no idea. I thought I was hoping to get, uh, you know, national commercials and stuff. And it's just not going to happen. I do regionals and I do, uh, you know, liners for introducing people and uh, introducing shows. Mm-hmm. It is what and it you, is. And you've got a really good presence for it as well, too, with um, your liners and all that. I get to um, catch some as well, too. And, of course, you know, I start with the Mike Wagner show just to pick up a little bit on interviews. I was terrified to do interviews, uh, yeah. have bad experience with it. And then I played around, I practiced, I had Sandy Helberg on. It was, I was nervous as heck. I mean, I was just sweat was dripping. I was nervous. I was mishandling <laughs> this and everything, the computer. And all of a sudden after a minute, it was like, it was like a conversation with a friend. It's like, yeah, that's how I found it. <laughs> Sandy Helberg. He, that's the guy from big bang theory. Is that who you're talking about? Uh, you're probably thinking of his son, Simon. Simon, Simon. Sandy Helberg was in the, um, he was in the, the Mel Brooks movies with uh, Spaceballs. He was that Dr. Schlockin. It's like, oh. Dr. Schlockin, do your worst. And he messes up the princess's nose. He was in History of the World. And he was in uh, High Anxiety and a few others. And the um, Mel Brooks series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Mel Brooks. And you know, he was just so hilarious. He had a great message about Mel Brooks and said that Mel Brooks makes fun of everything because his message 
we need to make fun of ourselves. Absolutely. And that, that was what we were kind of talking about earlier. It's like, I think we've gotten so thin skinned as Americans. It's like, you know, at, uh, there's a, a rapper from the UK named Zuby and uh, he's, he's been here in America. He's been making his rounds on radios and uh, radio shows and stuff, you know, and, and he really brings he, for a young guy, he's really got a grasp on common sense. And he was talking about it. Look, just because, uh, you have an opinion doesn't mean it's any more valuable than anybody else's. And, and and I think we need to at least respect each other's opinion. And and look, just because, like we were talking about vaccines, he was talking about this specifically. It's like you could be for something and not be for a mandate for it. And you can be against something and not for it being banned. He goes, that's just a smart way to think. Because, you know, why would you want to take uh, something that somebody else enjoys and take it away from them. You know, we, it seems like we learned our lesson with prohibition years ago uh, or, or, you know, making things mandatory with the vaccines and, and with just, uh, you know, the masks and all that kind of stuff. Look, if you're, what Biden said the other day about that, and I hit, I don't want to get back in politics necessarily, but what Biden said the other day is like, you know, if you, the, the people who are unvaccinated are putting vaccinated people at risk, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm like, how in the world, if you're vaccinated, how are you at risk being around people that are unvaccinated the, if, if, if the vaccines work? That's exactly yeah, and and a lot of these um, senators out there are saying that Biden's uh, guidelines are literally misguided, and they're confused to what's going on. And yeah. I think the whole thing should be left to the states and what they want to do. And if Biden's going to try to make all states do it, well, good luck. You're going to have a lot of lawsuits coming at you. And how are you going to handle it? It's like the Dakotas are preparing for a lawsuit. Montana's preparing it. Texas and um, you know, good portion of states are are preparing um, to uh, to sue and to send their arsenal and say. Hey, you're not going to make us do this. Yeah. I think I saw yesterday, 10 states have already filed suit. And then there's another nine states on top of that that said they were going to fight this tooth and nail. So I, I, you know, I, my son does, my son and his wife are are trying to get, have a baby. And so there's always been questions on whether this might affect your, your possibility to having children and everything. You know, I, I don't know that could be conspiracy theory, but since, since we don't know, we don't know. So, I mean, so she's really not for him getting vaccinated. He works for a, a large tire company, so they they may come down and make it mandatory. They haven't so far. Uh, but she's she said that, you know, if it came down to it, he makes good money and we'll, we'll just go ahead and do it and hope for the best. But she doesn't want him to get vaccinated. And I don't blame her. I mean, but that's their choice. It should mm-hmm. be their choice. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife and, and I co- got vaccinated, but I mean, I'm not going to give it away to somebody else. We just did it so we could go on cruises again, just completely uh, candid. That, that, that's the only reason. It's not because I'm afraid of the virus. So, mm-hmm. And I think some people are doing for reasons as well, too. And the fact that, you know, we were relying on our natural vaccinations as well, too. And we're still not sure about what's in it. Can it change your DNA? Can it like the chip and whatever else could it be the mark? I mean, there's so many question marks yeah. out there. It's like, why were they rushing to put the vaccine out there in the first place? And I saw a thing about Johnson Johnson, 66% um, affected. And I thought, what, what good is that? If you're going to, um, you'll sell out there, it doesn't yeah. make anybody safe. And they say, just because you have vaccine doesn't mean you're going to be totally immune from it. It's like, why even bother? You know, it's why like, even bother? I guess because yeah. it acts like the flu, and you know, if you if you don't get the, you don't just hit it just right, you're you're still going to get the flu. Um, but you know, by the same token, the, if you get a chickenpox vaccine, you don't have to worry about getting chickenpox anymore. So I mean, some vaccines do one thing and some do another, and I, I think we're all kind of learning about much more about about vaccines than we knew a year ago or, or six months ago. 
And, um, and next thing you know, there's going to be another variant uh, coming out. You know, that could be more more worse than the Delta. I mean, right. nobody nobody knows these days. I mean, 2022, it's going to be a crazy year. I got to say is. that. So, like I said, just hold on your hat. We're in for a ride. <laughs> I think Peru has one coming out, the Lambda variant. I, I think that's where uh, they found that. So, yeah, oh I mean, it's, it's just hard to know. It's just hard to know. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think this is just going to go on for years. So, it, 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 I'm, not, I'm not necessarily negative. I just think it's going to go on for a while. But, mm-hmm. you know. I, I do agree it's going to go on a while as well, too. It's going to benefit the pharmaceuticals and, um, you know, whatever else. And I think they're the ones that are making the money. And, um, you know, uh, it's it's putting us where we're pretty much screwed at that point. So yeah, so and that's the thing you always have to follow the money and find out why people what motivates companies and and things. It's like the government's already paid for all these vaccines. I think that's part of it. it's like we need to get get rid of it, you know, and we need to put get it put in arms. Even if we had a hundred percent vaccination, I, I I don't think it would necessarily go away. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't even know if we have uh, the goalpost in sight. So. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and of course, and nobody knows about the goal as well, too. Okay, let's say 100% vaccinated. What if the next virus comes out and just wipes out everybody? It's like, now what? Yeah, yeah. Good question. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you just got to be uh, be right with the Lord and just be good. <laughs> just take it, take whatever comes. I think that's so. all you can do at this point. Put yeah. your trust in God and let him take it from there. If he wants you on earth, he'll do it. If he wants you home, he'll do it. That's, that's the thing. It's like all the, all the dangerous stuff you've done in your life and we've all done them. And, uh, you know, if a virus is going to take me out, then so be it. You know, I'm not, I'm not really. And, and you, you say it flippantly, but I'm serious. I'm not afraid. I've never been afraid to die. I have not been afraid to die at least, you know, since I've, I've, I've had faith in Jesus anyway. So I just, I, I just haven't. And some people find that foolish or whatever, but it is what it is. So Exactly. Yeah. It's like, they'll, 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 they'll worship a, a different being, higher being, spiritual or metaphysical, whatever it is. It's like, you know, it, it's pretty much their choice and what they're going to do. And especially the whole um, 9-11, it's like they're going to remember, they're going to wonder what they could have done. Or I guess we're kind of bracing now um, what, what the Taliban is going to do um, on the 20th uh, anniversary. I think everybody's on, on watch right now at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, something could happen while we're on the air here. I mean, we mm-hmm. we, we don't know because today is the uh, the twentieth anniversary, so I don't know. That's right. So so we'll just we'll just see what happens and uh, take it from there. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's been fantastic. We need to do this again. I'd I'd, I'd like to. Uh, we ought we ought to start another podcast, just you and I talking about everything, because uh, it seems like we we ran the gamut again. <laughs> I, I think we've broken records of all kinds, Mike. I gotta say it. I think we've shattered every record we've done. Like, what's next? <laughs> what's next? Exactly. What are we gonna do now? Uh, uh, yes. Oh man. <laughs> I think that'd be our title. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, but anyway, if you want to get in contact with Mike Wagner, it is he has a website. He has. Go ahead. You you, you tell him. It's um Mike. It's the it's the Mike Wagner Show at gmail.com and check out uh, my website www.themikewagnershow.com and check out the Mike Wagner Show on over thirty podcast platforms, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also, Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Audible, and Apple Music. Coming soon to Podbean, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and TuneIn, and her worldwide, Geo7, Radio Public, Himalaya, and the YouTube channel. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show merchandise at themikewidenershow.com and amazon.com slash the Mike Widener Show t-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, throw pillows, tote bags, and more. And um, great gift for your wife and everything else. Tote bags. She loves to go shopping, taking on cruises, <laughs> everything. And of so course, I can, also... I- 
I give my yes. wife a pillow and she'd be happy. I get yeah, you. That's right. Or, or, or tote bag. She can go shopping too. Oh, you know what? I think we just sold another pillow. It's like we all put this back. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, I mean, check out. He's got all his archives on the MikeWidenerShow.com too, and uh, and you can go through and and pick out people you want to hear his interviews with. And and uh, you know, Mike. Mike, obviously, you've you've heard him now. He's got he's a, a very gregarious and uh, and fun interview. So. And don't forget to check it out today as well, too. And a big shout out to Mike as well, too. And um, you can also look up the Mike Widener show with uh, Mike Tarnow, Tim Miller, and all that. And yes, we definitely love you to have back on. Keep us up to date. And um, yeah, yeah let, let's do it again soon. It's been a great ride. Thank you very much. And you've been absolutely terrific. Ah, thank you. You too, sir. You too, sir. Well, as always, you can find out more about us and check out archived shows at amcoffee.us or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to AM Coffee, available everywhere you get your podcasts. For more information and archive shows, the website is amcoffee.us. If you'd like to email us, it's amcoffeepodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.